Welcome to Superman and Lois, The New Adventures. I'm Tom. And I'm Zach. And we, of course, are here to talk all about the CW's Superman and Lois television series, which is now back for season two. And we're going to get all into the premiere episode in a little bit here. Tiny bit of news, which we will we will touch on. So Viacom and CBS and Warner Media, those two companies own the CW, uh, co-own it, and it's a co-production between CBS and, and WB. It has been since it started in 2006. They're exploring a sale of the CW. It's it's been confirmed by Mark Pedowitz himself that the CW is for sale. What does that mean for Superman and Lois? Maybe nothing. Maybe something eventually. Uh, in the short term, I don't think it'll mean much, and I don't think it will impact season two directly in any way. Uh, as for long-term ramifications, it, we could speculate, but I have no idea. Yeah, there. I, I don't want to speculate too much. And like you said, we have no idea if it'll happen, when it'll happen, and what the impact would be if it did happen. That's that's a lot of speculation right there already. But just the one thing that comes to mind is like, this is the only live-action Superman we have right now. And if he isn't in control, if Warner isn't controlling that or isn't interested in keeping that, it's, it seems kind of strange. Yeah, and without getting too into the details, and I don't entirely 100% understand TV production, how it works, but yeah. Superman and Lois is a Warner Brothers production, and the CW is just where it airs on and, and how that works. So the CW, or WB presumably, will will still be in charge and still be able to control anything that happens with it. Um, even if the CW gets sold, they're... Presumably, the next buyer will want the shows that are on there, uh, the popular shows. So there's no reason to think that wouldn't continue, that the show, like anything major would change. There might be changes. Uh, WB may want to renegotiate contract. Maybe they'll want episodes airing on the HBO Max the day after the show airs on the CW instead of on the CW's app and website or anything like that. It's really tough to say how it might impact things. Um, but personally, I hope it stays on the CW. I have no reason to think it won't uh, and hope that that is the case. It stays on the CW for the foreseeable future. Yeah. But something to monitor. Again, it may mean nothing for this show, but it might eventually mean something. Uh, as we get into season two here, episode one, What Lies Beneath, I will say I don't think there's any extended episodes. I don't know if they're not doing that this season or if just the first episode did not have any extended episodes or what we will get into. But the streaming version on from what I've seen on Vudu on the CW's website, seems the same as the broadcast version. So every version should be the same, I think. Yeah, and we'll we'll definitely let you know if we notice any extended scenes in any in future episodes. But yeah, weren't any in this one. So season two kicks off with what lies beneath, and the description is season two opens with the dust still settling in Smallville following the shocking outcome of the confrontation between Tal Rowe and Superman. Lois and Clark struggle as a couple while Chrissy adjusts to running the Smallville Gazette with Lois. Jonathan faces new challenges on the football field, and secrets threaten to destroy Jordan and Sarah's growing relationship. Meanwhile, Kyle grows concerned over Lana's involvement with a new mayoral candidate. And lastly, John Henry Irons and his daughter Natalie attempt to make this new Earth their home. Uh, I think we we've normally made kind of made fun of how generic and vague the descriptions are. This one is pretty in depth and pretty much covers everything that happens. Yeah, it covers majorly the big stuff there. Yeah, probably they just a season premiere thing where they want to give more of a heads up and on um, what's going on and then they'll get progressively more vague as time goes on. But yeah, it does cover things pretty well. This episode was directed by Gregory Smith. He did two episodes in season one and written by Brent Fletcher and showrunner Todd Helbing. Both of them had credits on four different episodes in season one, either sole writing credit or, or shared writing credit. Yeah. So they, they brought some heavy hitters for this episode. 
Uh, overall, I guess, what'd you think of this one? Uh, I, I thought it was a really strong start to the second season. Uh, there were some really, really cool Superman in action scenes. Uh, some of the things I was concerned about from watching the teasers and trailers leading up to this, I don't think are as big of a concern uh, now that I've seen the first episode. Um, but then some things I didn't know to be concerned about and maybe a little more concerned about. But overall, I, th- I thought it was a really strong start. Yeah, I, the thing I I will say about this episode, it was kind of, especially the way it started, kind of miserable. And I don't mean that in the yes. quality of the episode. It was a, a downer, a real downer. And that's why yeah. it kind of did follow from the trailer because everyone, all, all the major players in this show are either dealing with something really emotionally traumatic or hard or challenging, or they're trying to help someone who is dealing with some emotional trauma or stuff. So it was a real bummer uh, of the episode, but eventually they did get around and there's a some light at the end of the tunnel or a punch there. But that's not, that's not a, a criticism of the quality. It's just a really kind of a rough one to watch to start um, the way things were going. It's uh, There's some, some tough emotional stuff going on here. Yeah, but, and I, like, I definitely agree with that. And I think the, the fact that some of that stuff gets wrapped up in the first episode and there is that light at the end of the tunnel, I think that's what kind of turned it around for me. Yeah, I am curious. Some of this, Clark even says at the end, I think things are getting back to normal. Yeah. So I don't know if this was just... Uh, a standalone thing like they wanted to do you know we'll get into the episode proper but they did the time jump so is that just to say these guys they all had a really tough summer or is it setting up more for season two is this a, the standard i don't know um but yeah I, the superman stuff like you talked about this was some of the more interesting stuff that they've done with superman specifically yet i'm probably more intrigued with some of the things going on here the potential storylines here mm-hmm. than than i have been at all through this series with Superman stuff. Um, I think it's, I think it's really interesting. Some of the things they're doing and I'm really curious to see how they handle it. And um, yeah, I, I, uh, that's it. The, for, for my overall thoughts, I guess we can get into the specifics of the, of the episode. Yeah. So like we mentioned before, it, it picks right up where season one ends with Natalie arriving um, and calling Lois mom. Uh, but Lois doesn't really respond to her. So John Henry Irons takes her away to explain what's going on. And Clark tries to get Lois to say something, but she just walks away. And we go straight from that to three months later. And Lois is in a pretty bad mood, in a pretty bad way. She's kind of grumpy and mad at everyone. Um, and she's she's not really communicating with, with Clark. And she's having trouble hiring people for the paper. So uh, yeah, that time jump right at the beginning of the, the, the first episode, kind of like we, we thought was going to happen. Yeah, a lot of this was tough to watch the the three-month time jump just lois obviously struggling with some stuff and you feel bad because it's a really awkward situation that she's in with natalie yeah and i love that the show addressed that if you're gonna bring in an alternate earth child that neither of you ever really knew each other um it's complicated there and i'm glad they addressed that and that was nice but it is tough to see lois going through something so difficult and taking it out somewhat on uh all the people around her Mm-hmm. Lois was was in a rough spot for most or all of this episode. Uh, it's time to go back to school, um, and they they comment on Jordan's cologne, and they make a, a nice bit out of that about how strong it is and smelly. So some some humor injected into the pretty miserable beginning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was fun. I I like the weird uses of Superman's powers. Yes, and, uh, <laughs> the fun that they had with it, uh, having teenage boys in there. Yeah, um, but. Going back to Smallville, um, in the town, there's tons of Superman merch and people are just coming and buying like Superman t-shirts and bobbleheads and whatnot. And Kyle doesn't like it. He doesn't like the commercialization of Superman and bringing all these people to Smallville to 
just because of that. But it, it's kind of, I always like seeing in comics or movies or whatever, people like actually interacting with Superman, the character, and like being excited about him and being a fan of him. And it's really cool in movies when you see people reading Superman comics that you've read. Um, so I wonder if hopefully we can see some comics of Superman in this TV show, but I, I just like that when every time I see that. Well, the comics of Superman, well, they kind of did that with Injustice, but that's kind of, if you think about that too hard, that might poke some holes in the, <laughs> the logic. I know. <laughs> how much, how much, if they're the actual comics, they have to, obviously, like when Injustice showed up, it obviously has to have a different story. Otherwise the whole world would know yep. uh, about Superman and everything there. So, but I did really, I think that's interesting that what they're doing with the Superman merchandise. I like seeing that in universe too, like you said, and I wonder if that's a, a Smallville specific thing. Uh, mm -hmm. So like Superman got in a fight here, so we're going to do that. Or if that has popped up in different places where Superman has had important battles before, you know, is there presumably a lot of merchandise in Metropolis and maybe other locations where he's, he's saved people. Um, maybe North Korea. I don't know. Um, but that was cool. And the, the shot of the young kid running with the Superman cape. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just really cool. But they're, they're down there at the bus station because they're waiting for Sarah to come back. She's been gone at camp for a month and something is off with her. She she doesn't really want to talk too much and she does not seem at all excited to talk or meet up with Jordan. Yeah, so Jordan comes to surprise her later mm -hmm. and he seems very eager. You know, like it's his first girlfriend and he's a bit of a stage five clinger. Yeah. <laughs> What's, uh, but Sarah doesn't seem receptive after being... Very close at the end of last season and then yeah. um, a month away at camp. What do you think that's all about with Sarah? I mean, the first thing that j jumps to my mind is maybe she met somebody at camp. I don't know if it was an all-girls or did it? Did they say it was an all-girls camp? I don't know if they did. Um, but maybe she met somebody at camp or she like had a conversation with someone who made her maybe rethink the relationship she's had with him. But it, later on, too, like she's talking to her dad when they're working on the car together and Basically, he's talking about how Jordan is just overeager, doesn't know what to do, and that she needs to take the lead. She's the alpha, and she basically says that that's good advice. So I don't know if that means she wants to break up or if she just needs space or what. But yeah, it's it's a little confusing, especially given how the way the first season ended with them. Um, but if I'm totally normal honest, teenagers. yeah, normal for teenagers. And if I'm totally honest, like teenage romance is not the top of my list of what I'm looking for in this show but it does it does fit in with it being the family and like this is real drama that having teenage kids real stuff you have to go through yeah uh, uh, and and part of this kyle had some cool moments some fun moments mixed in here i like how he mm -hmm. went from asking about jordan to uh papa bear really soon he didn't yeah in the, when they were working on the car he didn't what did he say he didn't try to touch you or, or something i don't know what he said he but didn't it get was, handsy yeah oh yeah handsy handsy yeah uh he uh it's really cool to see how quickly he switched. It was pretty <laughs> funny uh, watching a 15-year-old girl. Yeah. Um, I, I couldn't tell if she either had met someone at camp or if she just really enjoyed having a month to herself. She seemed like an independent person Yeah, you know, for most of the series. I know she was dating Sean and then eventually Jordan, but she seemed independent. So I, she might just like independence or not know what she wants yet, which is kind of normal for 15. Yeah. The, the best part about them working on the car together, too, is the, the little part of he's using one of uh, Daniel Hart's campaign T-shirts, like, as an oil rag. Oh, nice. It's just a nice <laughs> little thing I, I noticed. noticed that. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, 
Uh, but at the Smallville Gazette, Lois and Chrissy are butting heads over who to hire. Uh, Chrissy has somebody in there. This is a nice other comedy moment that the Woder goat guy who has 40,000 Twitter followers. And Lois had this amazing line where she said, we need someone who cares more about their job than how many twits follow them. I, I, I laughed out loud at that one. That was pretty good. Yeah. Um, interesting situation. I felt like this scene was trolling me specifically that they yeah. are looking to hire someone. Nobody even... Nobody mentions the the person with experience who could, I mean, you could hire, I mean, I'd, I'd love to see Clark be a full-time reporter, but if you hired him part-time, I feel like he could do a lot of the work, say he's doing it from home, right? and in four minutes do 40 hours of work for the paper in a week, get a part-time salary. Uh, so I, I felt like I was personally being trolled in that yeah. scene if they're still looking for someone, uh, going to random people. Uh, I do hope eventually someone thinks, hey, what about Clark? Or they at least address that. You know, if he doesn't want to, I think that needs to be addressed. Yeah. But we again see that Lois is basically all of her relationships. She's kind of floundering and not doing so great because there's something underneath there that she hasn't dealt with yet. Uh, like we mentioned, Lana is trying to help Daniel Hart uh, win the mayorship. And that that's kind of a source of conflict between her and Kyle. But it, it doesn't really last. And it ends up being OK. They make up and uh, Clark and Lana have a nice conversation where they're both talking about their spouses and they, they have a lot in common. Um, and that was cool to see. I think that was one of the things I was worried about from seeing the the trailer, but uh, my worries were unfounded. They didn't they didn't cross any lines or anything. It was just a nice conversation between good friends. Yeah, I think the Lana and Kyle stuff right now is pretty fun. That mm-hmm. they're kind of sweet. They don't have any real problems right now as long as Kyle is is keeping his head on straight. Uh, the Daniel Hart thing is interesting. I still since the moment Lana made a mean face to George Dean last yeah. season. I've kind of assumed she's going to run for mayor. And so you see her stepping in here. She might be more prepared and ready to uh, speak to the people of Smallville and actually help them than Daniel Hart. I mean, yeah. Daniel Hart might be all right, but uh, I think Lana has a better knowledge of, of what's going on in Smallville. The the best part about the like campaign event, too, was when Coach is there and he like grills the <laughs> grills Daniel Hart on like, hey, can you give more money to teachers? And Daniel's like, I don't know. And Lana's like, yes. <laughs> Yes, he can. Oh, yeah, that's why I keep you around because you you know how to say yes. Give money to teachers. <laughs> yeah, Coach Gaines uh, is back. He's uh, as Coach Gainesy as ever. Yep. Speaking of which, football's back, and John is still the second QB. He's only allowed to do running plays. Uh, it, we see a brief brief scene of the football, but Clark is there. He's he is assistant coaching, helping whatever he's doing there. Uh, so maybe that's why he's too busy to be a reporter. But he is helping out with football. Does does Jonathan still have to run? If for not having Jordan on the team, I, every time I mean, he's he's not probably. on the team, probably <laughs> it's gonna get in good shape. <laughs> um, but I'm he's... trying to uh, remember. Mm-hmm. So it's Timmy. Timmy is number three. He's the starting quarterback. I don't know if he's yeah also a sophomore like the boys, um, but he's the one. I don't know how I describe him as the bangsy one. I have a tough time <laughs> keeping track yeah. of all the the Smallville <laughs> football players. Yeah, he's he's got the spot over Jonathan currently. Um, but they, they come home from football practice and Jonathan is dating a new person, Candace. Did we meet her in the first season? We didn't, did we? No. Okay. I no. Did, in did, a little behind the scenes, uh, I don't know that they're going to address this on the show, but Todd Helbing, the showrunner, has said, yeah, he he was he dated Tegan for a while and then they broke up and then he met someone new. That's what teenagers do. So that's how yep. he described it. Um, but he's dating this new person and we'd get another fun moment where Clark says, 
something to Jonathan and he ignores it. But then Candace basically says the exact same thing. And he's like, oh, that's perfect advice. That's why I'm dating you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, was, that was good acting in the background by Ted yes. Very <laughs> understandable. Uh, but at the same moment, Clark hears a, we don't know it's North Korean at the time, but it's the North Korean sub that he goes to help. He hears that uh, they're in trouble and he rushes off to help them. Um, but he's flying through the ocean. And this is the this scene just is amazing. Like the special effects. It, it reminds me a lot of the big action piece that we had in the pilot um, first mm-hmm. episode of the first season where he has to get that giant chunk of ice out of the water. But whoever they have doing water effects is uh, needs a raise because it looks really, really good. Um, but he, really, he has a big really headache. Really cool action scene. I like that they opened with they tried to do something big, I think, to open the season. And this was cool. They waited a while for Superman yeah. to actually show up. And like I said, that's with all the. The, the heavy drama going on. I, I was waiting for that ELT or something to go off for Superman to go save the day. Right. And the submarine answered the call. Uh, but when he does that, he has a, a big headache and he starts kind of seeing things. Um, we can't really tell what he's seeing, but he loses control and, and falls into the ocean. And so this is some of the stuff that we saw in the trailer where it seemed like maybe he was losing control of his powers. And, and when he does that too, like his eyes go red, like he's about to, to use his heat vision as well. Yeah, so I don't think it's really clear. We see that again later. I don't think it's clear if he's... It seems like he's having some sort of visions, or I don't know if it's leftover effects from last season, or if it's if there's some new villain who's secretly doing something behind the scenes, or what's going on there. But it, it seems like it's a trouble basically anytime he's in action. Yeah. And it's different parts of the world. It's not just in Smallville. It's a, over uh, the North Korean sub. So Yeah, it's not just something leaking from the, the caves or something. Um, but he gets it under control and does save the sub. And it's like we said, uh, a really cool looking shot. Um, but then we get to see John, John Henry and Natalie together in Metropolis. And he's, he's teaching her what she needs to know to fit in on this planet for her first day of school. And she is not doing well at all, which is completely understandable. It's kind of like it's an insane situation that it's really hard to comprehend, like coming to a planet that you don't know and you're, everybody else on the other planet is dead. And there's someone here who looks like your mom, but she isn't your mom, and so yeah, she is quite understandably not doing well. Yeah, uh, a real mess of a situation. Mm-hmm. I think this was this might be my favorite John Henry episode so far. He didn't have a yeah. ton to do to do, but I really like him more right now as John Henry. He's just a a dad trying to do the right thing, trying to figure out the best way to move forward in a in an impossible situation with his daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I really like that part of his story as, as opposed to the steel stuff. I really enjoyed that. He seemed. He seemed really good. And Mole Parks is just really likable in the role. And even when he doesn't have a lot to do, he makes a good impression. Yeah. And Taylor Buck is a real, we haven't seen a whole lot from her, but she, I think she did an amazing job in this episode. She had a lot of tough scenes to do, I think. And she had to to play off some really, really good actors. And I think she, she did a great job. Yeah. Just, just like the, the character, the actor has to be in a really tough spot in terms of, it's hard to come in and be, that situation for that character to, I don't know, portray all the emotions that she's going through and all that. I think she did a yeah. good job. Um, but Lois, Lois comes home and she finds John with Candace. Uh, John is not wearing a shirt. They're in bed. Uh, awkward. And um, But at the same time, Anderson, Lieutenant Anderson, who is uh, General Sam Lane's replacement at the DOD, he calls Superman and and he's mad at him because he rescued a North Korean sub. This is when we find out that uh, that's where that submarine was from. Um, and he, he wanted him to drop that sub in America. Um, he, he said something about the, the fact that he got the job because he knows everything about Superman. Um, so I wonder if there's, I'm assuming part of that is he knows his weakness um, and probably knows where to get some stuff for his weakness. Um, but we'll, 
we'll come back to that another time. Uh, but Anderson wants Superman's commitment to protect U.S. interests overall, which is something that they sort of touched on in the last season. But this, they're making it very, very explicit um, in the season, and I think it's a, an interesting route to go with um, to set up conflict between Superman and the DoD. Lois is uh, she's mad at Clark, um, and they're arguing. She she calls him home with the ELT where as he's having the conversation with Anderson, um, and she's mad at him, and they argue about how he left Jonathan alone, and then he's mad that she's the LT because it's not a big enough of an emergency to call him away like that, um, and things get pretty heated, and she tells him to just go to Lawrence alone, and that's that's when he goes to the to the campaign event that we were talking about earlier and has the conversation with with Lana. Yeah. So what? Um, I quite like the introduction of Anderson here. Ian, Ian Bone is as Mitch Anderson. He um. I think they're setting up an interesting conflict there between him and Superman and their their different ideals. It's interesting that they went with a, a North Korean sub and not a, a fictional country that you sometimes use in Superman stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's interesting. How he's kind of like a lot of ways he's a lot like Sam Lane, what Sam Lane wanted early last season. Yeah, but he um, he doesn't have any understanding or care really. He's obviously America first all of that and not paying attention to Superman who's just trying to do the right thing, trying to save as many as he can. And I think that's something you can do to set up interesting conflict if that's the way they, they really seem like they're going to go. Um, yeah, and it's I'm I'm glad that they have this character doing that and I'm glad that they kind of had Sam Lane step away because it was I think it was too much to try to keep those both of those things together, him being the grandpa and like dad to Lois, but also being someone who is angry at Superman all the time because he's not only protecting U.S. interests. So I'm glad that they kind of split that that character out. And it's it's nice to have a character like Lieutenant Anderson that you care nothing for and can just be the bad guy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but after the the campaign event, um, we see that Natalie skipped school and she regrets coming to this Earth. So John Henry has to figure out something to to do with her. Um, but we'll we'll see that later. And there's a a bit of an earthquake. Um, which will again come back, but nobody seems to be too concerned about it at this time. Is that common Kansas <laughs> earthquakes? I guess not. I think Kyle said something about, oh, it's probably just big machinery at the, the mine. So maybe that happens every now and then. Yeah. Um, but we get to see Lois and Clark on the porch and I was kind of worried that they were not going to make up and cause like the porch has been like the safe place. This is where they have their, <laughs> their really good conversations. Basically every scene that has ever happened on the porch so far has been really good. And I'm glad that this is where they they made up um and lois apologizes for taking stuff out on clark and she basically just says that she's been upset because she didn't say anything to natalie and it reminds her of her mom and she feels guilty about that because her mom abandoned them when she was young and felt she said felt nothing for her in the same way that she felt nothing for natalie so that is a pretty big uh revelation that we didn't know about uh her mom uh that character in this universe at least so something happened in the past where she just left them yeah that is that is pretty big we certainly didn't know that looks like we're finally getting some lane family backstory and i think we're we're going to get into that more this season Mm -hmm. and maybe understand a little bit better what lois and we get a lucy name drop her sister lucy and what sam lane how that impacted their family um i'm yeah i'm i'm curious what they do with the lane family here it's a little different dynamic than the comic books quite a bit different so i'm wondering uh how how different they make it and what they do with it yeah which does make me wonder is maybe they're going to be a moment when we'll get to see uh their their mom and maybe 
confront what happened in the past, uh, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, and then a bigger earthquake hits, and this is where we get to see the water tower is falling over. I think we we mentioned we saw that in the, the poster that there was something wrong with the water tower. So when it started falling over, it was like, ah, there that's what happened to it. <laughs> I don't think uh, that freeze is going to hold long. No, probably uh, not. I'm guessing Clark probably went back later and fixed it more. Yeah. Maybe uh, welded it somehow, some heat vision stuff there. Yeah, that's uh, good to know that. Now we just got to know where the helicopters are coming from. Exactly. And, and the lightning and all that. Um, but we, there's a lot of cool little action sequences in this part where, you know, the water tower falling over, there's a, a giant truck falling off a cliff and Superman catches it. Um, but then he goes into the mine and with his x-ray vision, he sees two people and they're punching their way out of the mine and they have the S symbol on their chest. Um, but he has that weird headache again. Um, but after that, when he, that clears up, he hears those people checking in with Lieutenant Anderson. So this is a, a very interesting way to, to take it. Um, I guess I should mention he, he goes to the DOD and Anderson tells him that the two people are from their school and that he should know about that and that America comes first for this new team. He gives Superman the ELT back, tells him to come back when he's ready to be part of the team and to bring his friend when he comes back. And Superman tells him not to use the symbol. And America says, or Anderson says that American can have more than one Superman. So all of that together, I think this is a really interesting way to take it. And again, an interesting way to set up conflict with the DOD and makes sense for the the little bit that we know about Lieutenant Anderson and brings back the school that they mentioned in the first season for like the gifted kids, the kids that have powers and stuff. So this was, was better than I was even hoping for. Um, I, I really like uh, going in this direction. How do you feel about it? It's interesting. Anderson really sets himself up as awful yeah. using the, you know, stealing the S shield and the Superman S to use it for his, his own purpose, uh, saying American can have more than one Superman. He's incredibly unlikable to me uh, through one episode. So if they were trying to do that, even if he um, doesn't have ill intentions, uh, he, he's doing that, stealing Superman's S and using it freely for yourself. Yeah, um, saying America can have more than one Superman. That's, uh, that's, that's something a, a villain would say. Yeah. But I think this is going to open up some really interesting like storytelling avenues. And I have to imagine eventually there's going to be some sort of clash between Superman and these other people who are wearing his symbol. And he probably does not want to have to fight them, but he might have to end up doing that. And they'll, I, I'm interested who the two people we saw are. Are there more of them? What powers do they have? So um, yeah, just the, it opens up a whole lot of opportunities uh, for, for pretty cool stories that I want to see. Lois meets up with Natalie and John Henry at the the diner in Smallville and Natalie immediately runs out and but Lois goes after her and she has a, a really good conversation with her there's just two great actors playing off of each other I, th I thought this scene was really really well acted and really well done yes I I agree with you there um another mo focusing on the the weird emotions that they both must be going through and also it just made me think Metropolis and Smallville must be quite close because that seemed like the same night because Lois was from the time she called to right. the time they met at the diner. The diner must have still been open. Maybe it's a 24-hour diner and Lois is wearing the same clothes. So Metropolis and, uh, and Smallville must be reasonably close. That's, yeah. that's, what I, that's what I took out of the scene. Besides, you know, everything else. Yeah, but that leads to Lois bringing Natalie and John Henry back to the farm and they're going to live there until they find a new place. So I think that was another thing I was slightly worried about going into the season was the separation of John Henry and Natalie and having to split up the story time with them in Metropolis and everybody else back in Smallville. But now everybody's 
together on the farm. So I think that's going to be really interesting. And I want to see how maybe Natalie interacts with the boys and how she fits in in Smallville. So I I think it's a a really good way to take it. I was excited to see them try things in Metropolis and see more of Metropolis, but then they moved back in Smallville, which is not surprising that they they went that way. Mm -hmm. I think it might have been nice for Lois to at least maybe text Clark, say, hey, I invited two people, (laughs) one of whom tried several times to murder you i invited them to live uh in our house or park their their rv in our house might want to run that by by clark but he he he, uh he probably knows better than to say much there and it is cool to see you know i don't know how well it worked the transition from john henry trying to kill superman to to being buddies but now that it's here uh i do like seeing uh just a little bit a hint of of their friendship and and clark trying to Clark and the boys and and Lois all trying to help in any way that they can. Mm-hmm. It's not always that you get to see Superman with a a close friend who knows what he's going through and kind of has to go through the same thing. Obviously, John Henry Irons doesn't have powers and isn't an alien, but it, there's a lot of similarities and uh, someone to to talk to. So it's yeah, I'm glad that he's back. Um, but as they're all going into the house, Clark hears some weird noise in the distance, and I really like. Uh, there's, it's a nice subtle touch, but the music as that's happening, it's, it's happy, like uplifting music, but just very briefly, there's like a weird kind of dissonance and distortion to the music to tell you that something really bad is going on before it goes back to normal music. So I, I thought it was a really cool way to, to end the episode. And the noise he's hearing is a fist punching itself deep out of the, the mine that is in Smallville. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder what that could be. Um, yeah. I wonder if that's related to everything went, went down. I don't think we've talked about this, but that mine is was important in the season finale last year. And it's pretty clearly the same location from Crisis on Infinite Earths. Mm-hmm. When the Paragons stared about something, yes. something they stared, they all thought real hard and stared or, or whatever they did to defeat uh, to defeat the Anti-Monitor um, that time. But yeah, it's cool. I wonder how that is. seems like something big is, is under there and maybe trying to get its way out. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that's all for the episode specifically. We will now get into some, if you're you know afraid of spoilers, don't want to know anything else. We'll we'll talk about some comic book stuff, some comic book references, and preview the next episode from the teaser there. So if you want to jump out now, you can. Uh, just a, a few notes here I had here. What lies beneath the title is a title of a new Fifty Two action comic story arc. It has nothing to do with this, so it's probably about what lies beneath, both in the minds and the emotions of the the episode. Yeah. Um, minor thing, the Gazette, uh, there's a, kind of a, a really subtle reference to Chrissy pointing out that they do need help with copy editing, uh, basically implying, I think that Lois is a terrible speller, which goes back to Superman, the movie and Smallville copied that. And it's been used in some comics since then. Uh, she's a great writer, but she can't spell, yeah. get it. Uh, but this was a really subtle way to, uh, to do that. And I thought that was funny. Yeah. Henry Johnson, John Henry went by that name briefly for some reason. I don't remember why in the comics. Um, Todd Helbing has uh, talked about the Supermen of America, which is a really obscure team of heroes, and I think that's might might be what the they only had a handful of appearances really, but that might be what Anderson is creating with that school there. They all had different powers in the comics and uh, did not wear the S shield, but I think that's might be where they're going with that. Yeah. And lastly, the crank sound at the end. Do you have any idea what that could possibly? Be? Um. Well, to if we're okay with spoiling it, you think we are? Yes. If we, we made, yes. To this, made it to this point, that's that's Doomsday. <laughs> Doomsday is 
popping his way out of the middle of the earth. Yeah, yeah, I would assume so. Uh, and I think Todd Helbing did confirm it, in fact, interview. But yeah, I'm a little surprised that they're they're going there with Doomsday. I thought that might have been been something down the line. Uh, but pretty exciting. I think Doomsday is a a really cool one dimensional character. What do you think? I like you. I for one thing, I thought season two is pretty early to bring in Doomsday, who is one of, if not the biggest Superman villain you could possibly have. That's that's interesting in itself for the second season. It's very interesting that it looks like he's almost broken himself free in the first episode of the second season. Um, but the fact that, and I'll talk about, like, because the promo says that Superman is having visions, and so that's what's going on with, with his headaches and stuff. So I almost wonder if it actually isn't happening and he's having a vision of something else. There really is earthquakes happening, um, but I wonder if Doomsday isn't quite here yet because if he is already here, that's going to make for a strange season structure if he is the bad guy for the entire rest of the season. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really know. Um, but I'm not I'm not really complaining because Doomsday is a pretty good uh, villain. Yeah, a really cool way to end the episode. I... I don't know. What, I, I'm trying to keep my expectations in check because um, Todd Helling is, is always saying how even if they bring in characters from the comics, they want to do their own thing, do something fresh, do something different with them. So I would love a, a several episode arc, uh, the death and return of Superman. I think if you bring in Doomsday, really the only reason to bring in Doomsday is to kill Superman. Yeah. There have been other things done with him. Uh, Smallville did some different things with the character. There's been the character returned in the comics later and did some different things. But really, he is, to me, he's a, a mindless killing machine that kills Superman. So I would love to see that adapted over several episodes and a relatively, relatively accurate take time and, and do all that. I don't know if that's what they're going to do. I don't know if that's where they're going uh, uh, or what they're going to do or, or how they plan to handle all that. But that could be really cool if that's what they're going to do. Uh, mm -hmm. Personally, if they, they took the Doomsday from Krypton, I would I would not be upset. With yeah. that, a really good doomsday there, and they they made a physical body of physical mold or whatever of doomsday. I mean, they still have that. Maybe they could use that. But either way, it's really interesting. A really way, really interesting way to end the episode, and it could be really cool. This season two does seem too soon to do the death of Superman. Uh, but this is the thirtieth anniversary of the comic book story, so mm -hmm. uh, maybe that would be a, a good way to honor honor it. And they've set up a lot of elements of that story in different ways so far. Do you think that maybe because they, they want to switch things up and make it a little different? Here's two routes I could see going. One, they make it the death of John Henry Irons instead, and then Natalie is stranded on this earth with nobody, and they, she kind of gets adopted by the, the Kent family. Or two, they make it the death of one of those supermen of America because Clark did make... He, he said something earlier in the episode where he's like, it's it's awesome that they're helping out with the earthquake, but they are not at all ready if an actual threat comes. And Doomsday is basically the biggest threat that can could come ever. So if they end up dying and people either turn against the DoD or somehow that ends up like they blame it on Superman if he he should have done something to help. So I could see them maybe tweaking the story a bit instead of actually running the whole Death of Superman story this early um, in the show's history. I don't. I should say I don't really like either of those versions, but I can see them <laughs> doing both of those. <laughs> yeah, I think if you're gonna bring in Doomsday, it's to kill Clark Kent. Yeah, it's to kill. It's to kill Superman and have him eventually uh, get better 
and and come back and and all that. I mean, you you could do something different. You could not do the death of Superman. They, there was an offhanded comment in Crisis on Infinite Earths, the pre-Crisis Tyler Hecklin Superman had. I think they said defeated Doomsday. Mm-hmm. So you could you could have Doomsday there and not do the death of Superman. Uh, if that's the case, why not just pick any other muscle-bound Superman villain? I mean, Doomsday and the and the death of Superman kind of go that story arc are just so closely intertwined in in pop culture and and to me personally it would be tough to to see that um so i don't i don't know i don't know if you could that would be tricky i think the the show will probably do something different but um i don't know i hope if you're if you're going to do doomsday you can do some attempt at the the death of superman and that's you know the death of superman maybe depending on the day you ask me might be my favorite comic book story of all time yeah so uh i am a little close to it uh but it's i mean you have that action obviously the death of superman is known for the action and the big spectacle of it all and the why i love it though is that it has some of the most emotional moments for clark lois for well his parents are gone in this continuity but for his parents for all of that is some of the most emotionally powerful moments in superman's history so if you're going to do that i think uh, you want you want to honor that so i don't know um i'm trying not to to make plans you know have form opinions before they happen but i think if you're going to bring in doomsday you probably want to do the, some something close to the death of Superman. yeah but yeah uh let's talk about next episode the ties that bind so not a whole lot to take from the the promo that they put out but like we mentioned superman is having visions that's what's going on when he's having the headaches um and i, I think they say something about there's only one person who can help um i'm not entirely sure who they're referring to uh but jordan also wants to to help him out and there's, there's some more conflict between Lieutenant Anderson and Superman. I would guess with Jor-El gone, that's Tal. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he could help him or not, but I wouldn't be surprised if he turns that way. Uh, yeah, <laughs> with all this stuff going on, we didn't even realize Clark didn't tell Lois about the vision. Right. In, in the first episode. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see where they go from here, where they explore that more, and, and what they do in the next episode. All right, that's all we have for today. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon. Mm-hmm.